Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around the world. It's just Mike and myself uh, this week. No, Rocket Rocket has got uh, – he's back in town. Uh, the Rocket Tracker has uh, has him landed. He's in Brisbane, but he's got the uh, plane-born – Lurgy that uh, has attacked his throat, so not able to give us an hour of power. Uh, so it's just Mike and I. Mike, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. Uh, we're doing the intro a little bit different. We're talking up front and then we're going to play the music. We are going to play the music because I love the music. Um, but what are we going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about, uh, well, you've been playing some golf. We're going to talk about that. What else are we, we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Napa and the first event back on the PGA Tour this week. Does that mean the data, the data Lake's back? The data Lake is back. Excellent. Yep. And what else? We're going to talk about some other stuff that fills our, fills our uh, brainwaves about golf. There'll probably be some random, random ramblings about, uh, we've got the DP World Tour to talk about of course yep. there's a bit of live chatter chitter chatter around that uh what else have we got and then you've discovered uh that the pj tour have this week presented their way that they rank uh players is that right that's it yeah we're gonna have a really um hopefully a bit of interesting information for the listeners a little bit of an overview of how they build a pga tour event and and the order of entry so hopefully it's not too complicated because it is a little bit complicated but hopefully people enjoy it all right, well, that's the order of proceedings tonight. Sit back, relax, enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining us. Mike, how are you? I hope we don't have any technical issues tonight. I have new a new command central, a new laptop here, which has got more horsepower in it than uh, than uh, the previous one. Put it that way, uh, it's able to run this extravagant show, two hundred and something episodes of Memory Bank. So I hope it all works out. Uh, new screen, new everything. Uh, how are you, mate? You you well? I'm excellent. And when you said you were going to play your favourite song, though, I was pretty sure you were playing that Mike song. I was, or I was actually almost <laughs> certain that's what was coming. Uh, that's your favourite song. It is. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. You asked for it. You asked for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't even a cue for a song. <laughs> Uh, Mike, 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 how was uh, your big tournament last weekend? Oh, I don't know if we talked about it. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was good. So for, for people that didn't know, um, I went down and played in the Lonsdale Open Am. Um, I hadn't played stroke in a long time, but you just don't really play it anymore. You play stable fiddle, as we talked about in uh, this or that last week. You play par when we have bad days. I was, uh, you know what? I wasn't nervous. But um, it's just a very different mindset playing stroke, I think, and it's something that I need to get better at doing because I think I almost over th- I was overthinking it a little bit and how I was going to do it and not do anything silly and ended up um, ended up playing good for about a tough day down there at Lonsdale. It was, it was a bit windy. Um, I played good for about 14 holes. I played poor for about you know, two holes. I and then I played really bad for two holes, like really bad. So I had a nine on one hole and I had a 10 on another hole. So I dropped 10 shots off the stick on two holes and um, I finished 20 over, I think. So my handicap was 10. So I gave up 
pretty much all my handicap on those two holes, which was not great. And for those at home that are going, gee, that's really bad. I actually didn't even get close to finishing last. I was still about only two-thirds of the way down the leaderboard. So it was a tough day, tough day. Talk us through the 10. Like, mm. Yes, yes, yes. Any the time, any, a double digit. like. So the 10, the worst part about the 10, so the 10 was we started on the 10th hole and um, it was the – 13th par five heading out towards um towards the back side of the course and um i'd only played it two weeks before and hit driver driver up to the edge of the green so i was pretty confident getting to it it, goes, it, is it, it the one that goes down towards the water like it goes down towards the road hole um oh no 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 oh, yeah, not no, that one. yeah 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 another the one, one up yep. the middle yep um and yeah so hit, hit the driver off the tee pulled it a little bit and ended up just on the kind of in the in the second cut on the left-hand side, but it was sitting in a funny little sand dune type spot with some almost seaweed coming through sitting on an odd angle, but I was still confident I was going to be able to get club on ball, so I wasn't too stressed and just said to myself, right, don't do anything silly here. Just get the five iron out and, and hit something up there, and as soon as the wind hits this, it's going to peel straight back over to the right to the middle of the fairway, and it only had a cut, I don't know, three metres, five metres max. Hit it. And just didn't move. Just went dead straight, and then didn't clear the the left edge of the of the rough. So went up there and wasn't there. So I'd already hit a second just in case I didn't find it because I thought I'd saw it go to a spot where I wasn't going to find it. So then all of a sudden it was uh, it was driver one hit two drop three hitting four into the middle of the fairway where where I was trying to hit the first one, and then uh, pulled out the new magic U UW uh, Callaway. Which I, which I did tell you before the tournament, I was getting the the, the lefts with and um, hit a big screaming hook. And again, I thought, oh, this is just left of the green. This is fine. That's where the next tee is. Didn't find it. You know, it, it don't know whether someone picked it up or because there's a few few groups that were sort of you know, crossing around. Um, so didn't find it. So I had to go back to the fairway and drop again. And just, yeah, eventually it was a 10. And, I, and, and you know what? I really had to, that's when I had to knuckle down and go right. And then I actually played pretty reasonably well from then out on and then sort of finished off the, the I think I finished the front about um, 12 over, not even, with, with a 10. And I thought, oh, you know, that's not not horrendous. Now now the aim is here to, to, to break 90 and, and sort of still sort of, you know, be okay. And the guy I was playing with was the same handicap as me. Um, and somehow we had the same score after after nine and he didn't have any big blowout holes. He just sort of had um, death by a thousand cuts. And then I had nine on the first. If anyone's played the first at Lonsdale, it's it's not a long hole. Um, hit a pure, beautiful hybrid straight down the middle. Was very happy. Again, was pretty windy. Um, had a, about an eight iron in and, and hit something up high and was aiming for the left-hand ledge. But it's a, it's a bit, of a bit of a ski slope down to the green from there. Didn't grab the ski slope, sat up on the top, and then I had a little baby pitch and hit the baby pitch to where I wanted it to go, and it grabbed the ski slope and ran down, but kept running straight across the green as they will do at Lonsdale. Ended up in the pot, and that's when the 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 uh, lack of bunker practice uh, got me. So I was, I was up against the face in the bunker and uh, just couldn't get it up quick enough to get out and then left myself in a really bad spot, and that didn't get out either, and then the third one got out, and I was like, yeah, that was a long day. They rack up. But it was, look, it was still good. It was still good fun. Uh, just remind everyone uh, of the fun of uh, Lonsdale Links down there in the Billerine Peninsula in Point Lonsdale. 
Yeah, look, if anyone's down that way, I, I would highly recommend it. I know, I know most people head down to play, say, 13th Beach, um, which is also both two good courses. And the beach course in particular is an exceptional course. Um, but, yeah, I would say recommend definitely heading over to Lonsdale and even to Kerr Lewis, the two that people don't probably venture off to play as much. Um, and, yeah, it, it's great fun. Um, OCM boys have done it up, the same guys that did up Sandringham and, and – and, uh, little course called Peninsula Kingswood, you might have heard of, Ross. Um, so, yeah, highly, highly recommend it. And the other thing I'd recommend is Mike Cocking's now, um, his little, um, got his course guides. So the course guide's there at Lonsdale now, which I would highly recommend getting because if you haven't been there before, it's very, very valuable to know where the holes are going because there are a few blind shots and there are a few little uh, squared off greens that you don't really know what's going on until you've played it once. And I think it's very valuable to have that in your pocket. Uh, we, we do spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the courses that we love and play. You know, we're both part of a top 100 panel, both of opposing magazines. So, you know, part of our charter is to try and experience uh, as many courses as we can for the purposes of that. And we enjoy that. You know, we'll love, we, I don't think anyone that's listening to this, um, certainly not for the first time, understands that we love our golf and golf courses and a little bit of golf architecture. Not, we're not total, total golf nerd. No, that's not the right word. You know, golf nerd. I mean that in the aficionados. Polite as possible sense. Golf <laughs> architecture nerds. Um, no. But we do appreciate good architecture. Yeah. And certainly appreciate the people that are behind it. Now, you mentioned Mike Cocking's um, course guides. And I recently listened to some uh, a bit of a story about Mike's from Mike, uh, his course guides. Um, Shane Darby, who was a member of the uh, podcast, uh, not the member of the podcast, but he was a guest on the podcast some time ago. You know, back in lockdown, um, I met Shane on Twitter, as I do many people. We had a conversation. You know, he'd obviously listened to some of the podcasts and the interviews that we'd done, so he was a fan. He he was the one that would walk down Port Marnock Beach uh, over there in Dublin. And uh, listen to the My Love of Golf podcast. So I you know, struck a chord with Shane. He he is truly in you know knowledgeable man about golf course architecture. He is over there in Ireland, member at Royal Dublin, um, you know, and just loves it. He has a great podcast. So I, I think that this podcast you know helped whet Shane's appetite for having a crack at his own podcast. It's called the Firm and Fast Golf Podcast, and uh, he does a wonderful job of. And we've probably I've probably talked about it before but he does a wonderful job of interviewing people um and every time i listen to one of shane's podcasts uh it it gets better and his uh, guests are phenomenal and you know you it really is a podcast and i like to listen to it. i don't listen to many other golf podcasts but i like to listen to it because every one of the guests that he has i always learn something um, which is great he did an interview. He achieved something that I haven't been able to achieve. Um, I've often talked about it and we've planned it and we haven't done it yet, but he's pinned down Mike Cocking and he has a chat with Mike for about two hours. So if you want to learn about every uh, project that Mike Cocking's been involved with, and I know Mike pretty well and I've followed his career and, and I met Mike before he was a golf course architect Um randomly through you know mutual acquaintances um but i followed his career pretty closely i found out stuff that i didn't know mike had been involved with by listening to shane's podcast uh, with him so if you want to listen to mike he talks about peninsula kingswood he talks about sandring and he talks about lonsdale links um which ashley mead was the, the lead on he talks about all his other experiences working 
uh, alongside Tom Doak. So I won't spoil it, but you, there's a heap of stuff. But he talks about his course guides because Shane asked him about his um, talent for painting. Now, if you've watched the video, obviously this is a cue, unplanned cue, uh, cue for the plug. As I move around, uh, you can see my beautiful picture of the Peninsula Kingswood North Course, which is personally signed by Mike. Uh, it's got my member number on there. Uh, we got the opportunity to buy the course uh, artwork, which Mike painted. It's one of Mike's watercolours. Now, the only way to get a Mike Cocking course guide painted and drawn by Mike Cocking is if you have a course done by him. So if you want the course guide, because I think people ask him about course guides all the time. He said, no, I've got to build the course. And then you get a course guide. That's fair enough. Um, good, way to, go. good way to get business doing course guides. Uh, a long way around getting back to the Mike Cocking course guide. Um, that Lonzo I've, got, I've, got, I've got the two PK ones here. Mm-hmm. I've got the Lonsdale Link. Sandy doesn't have one. I think Sandy does have one now. Do they? Yeah, maybe I'm, I could be wrong. There's someone. There's another one that I've got. Did is there a King? Did he do anything at Kingston Heath? I reckon the Kingston maybe is the, the OCM of the consulting um, architects yeah. there. So they're doing I, the I've short. I've got a course. funny f- feeling. Um, <clears throat> I reckon there's some Kingston, the Kingston Heath watercolor that I've seen that looks like one of Mike's or someone, something very similar. Yeah. So yeah. Bonnie Doon, um, all that sort of thing. So um, anyway. yeah, maybe I've got a Bonnie Doon one as well. Mm. So Mike was the main guy at Bonnie Doon. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, there you go. Uh, we digress. Yeah. We digress. Uh, the real purpose of tonight's uh, podcast, um, Without Rocket. Uh, was to talk about me having a 9 and a 10, and that was the show. Uh, look, I asked you about that. I didn't want to embarrass you. Like, no, you, no you, I'm you, not embarrassed you, by it at all. But uh, I was just more interesting you know, to see how you rack up 10. Um, yeah. Oh, believe me. I. I, I said to the boys, when I, and it's probably a piece of my game that has great, uh, greatly improved in the last 10 years because I know a friend of mine, Conrad, who I used to play a lot of golf with when I first started, he knows that if I'd wiped the first two holes playing Stableford, I was gone, mentally cooked. I, you could, you'd pencil me down for 10 points for the day and send me home. Whereas, you know, it was my fourth or fifth hole and I've had a 10. And I walked off laughing and I said, I just can't, I don't, I said, I don't even know if you can write 10 on the card. Like, you know, cause you had to fill in the little dot. I don't even know if there's a 10 there. <laughs> I was just I was like, I can't, I literally can't remember the last time I've had one, even playing friendly stroke with mates. I can't remember. It's a, um, good, it's a good response to be able to laugh at something that you oh, don't know how to fill in, but yeah, that was it. And then there's no, when you go into an event like that, and there were some exceptional golfers there, I think I told you before I went down, you know, some plus three and plus four handicappers, um, the average handicap would have been two or three, me off a, a daily of 10. Um, I think of the 105 players, if you ranked us by handicap, I was ranked about 85th. And at the end of the day, I think I finished tied for about 60-something. So off the stick. So... <laughs> I certainly, when I look back at it and go, I did that with a with a nine and a ten. I really wasn't that upset about it. <laughs> uh, in another random fact, uh, yeah, I won't bore everyone with the long version of the story. But I have a uh, colleague, former colleague. He's not a former colleague. We didn't actually work together, but uh, Maddie Bruce is a customer of mine at the uh, the golf shop at the Drummer Golf. And Maddie Bruce came in one day with his Mercedes Benz jacket on. Uh, we got talking about Mercedes-Benz, obviously, because, you know, I used to work there for 12 years. He was then working there. Oh, he still is working there. We had a number of stories and friends in common that were colleagues, um, past and present. So we struck up a, a chord there based on our, you know, both working at Mercedes-Benz. Um, 
we stay in touch. Matt's a member at Riversdale, great golfer. Uh, Matt and I saw each other at the Open. So Matt and was going to play golf, but he broke his foot playing mixed netball and had to hop around uh, St Andrews in a moon boot. He was his accommodation was camping, so he camped there at the campsite, and the which was a I've got a good look at the campsite. It looks pretty. It wasn't just tents; it's like glamping type tents. And I gave Matty a lift back to Edinburgh uh, with his backpack, you know, stuffed him in the back of the car with the other people I was taking back and I dropped him off his, his accommodation. It was the last time I saw or spoke to him, um, so that was obviously back at the open. I uh, was sitting at Peninsula Kingswood the other day. I was about to go and do some filming for Drummer Golf and um, I looked at my emails from work and there was an email there from Matty Bruce saying, hey, how you going, Ross? Um, great to see you in, in St Andrews. Um, I've been fitted up for some clubs and I want to get them. So, you know, that was Friday. And then, uh, so I was like, oh, interesting. I hadn't, I was just thinking about you and uh, we had a chat, blah, blah, blah. I said, what are you doing for the weekend? He said, oh, I'm going down to Lonsdale to play in this uh, open event. Okay, cool. And then I spoke to you that night and you said, I'm going to play in this open event. I said, oh, I just spoke to someone who's playing in that and you were, you were playing with him. You were paired with him out of those 150 people. You were playing, you were paired yeah. with him. It was like, he said, oh, his name's Matt. If if he comes up and says "G'day, Magic," his name's Matt. Because I told him to go and say, "Oh, Matt, Mike's down there from the podcast." So I'm going to yeah. say "G'day to Magic Mike" and call him Magic, and he'll he'll have the head wobbles up and you know, oh mate, he he'll probably have a ten. And I said, "Oh, it's funny." There's a guy in my group called Matt because because the first thing you do when you're a ten handicap playing an event like this is you look at the guys in your group to make sure they're not all off plus three. Um, and I said, "What's his name?" And he said, Matt, "Matthew Bruce." And I looked up and said, "Well, you wouldn't believe the bloke in my group is Matt, Matt Bruce." And yeah, first tee. He said, Mike? I said, yep. He goes, magic. And I said, yep. <laughs> Ross said, you're going to run with that. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, how did he play? He played well. He had a couple of, he only had a couple of bad holes, but yeah, he would have, he wouldn't have been miles away from his handicap, wouldn't have thought. Uh, it's a good system, those open events. How much did it cost you to play in that? Oh, it was, I, I want to say it was about 70 bucks. Mm -hmm. So a normal round at, at Peninsula. Uh, at uh, Lonsdale Links on a Saturday would be about $90, maybe $100. And this was $70 and that included lunch. And so we didn't know what that included. So we, the three of us went into the clubhouse post and sat down and, and had a, a, a quiet beer. And um, we said, what do we do about the food? They go, well, how many at your table? We said three. They said it's alternate drop. But like I was at a wedding for a second. thought someone was going to get fish and someone's going to get a steak. And they came out with two burgers and this beautiful fish. So there you go, and they just dropped them down, and that was it. This got, massive hamburger you got, for 70 bucks. You got fed as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll quickly tell you, uh, in Scotland, uh, it's a great op time if you go to Scotland and you can get to play in some of the open um, tournaments that they have over there. They're quite popular, um, and it's like 20 pounds, and it's, you can usually save a whole heap of money if you can get into one of them. I played in two or three. Uh, the first one was at Crail uh, on the uh, Craighead Links, which is the Gilhance course over there, uh, first tee. Lost ball. There's a big bit of gorse in the middle of the fairway. Straight into it. Bang. Lost ball. Uh, had a thousand that day. And then I played in one, uh, the Willie Park Putter. Uh, and it's quite a significant uh, open amateur event in East Lothian at uh, Royal Musselburgh. Play, play in twos. Uh, got paired in this two. Uh, put my driving iron out on the first tee at Royal Musselburgh. Uh, bang. Lost ball. So both open amateur events at significant golf courses. Lost ball first tee. Um, but did you have a team? Probably did. No. I can't. Remember. I can't remember. Uh, I've just looked it up. I should say because someone might know him who listens. Um, 
the winner was Connor McDade from Royal Melbourne. So well done, Connor. You um, beat me by about lots. Uh, my, I don't think the 10 was the difference. He, had, he shot minus four, which I'm, I'll give you the tip. That was exceptional. I think I think it's Connor Dennis's son. Not sure. Dennis McDade, Dennis McDade, the coach of uh, Mark Leishman and uh, Matty Griffin, spent some time with uh, Dennis at uh, St Andrews with uh, inside the ropes as he was following Griff round. Um, it was good to chat so him. He obviously yeah, so coaches at uh, was Dennis coach at uh, Peninsula Kingswood on Fridays, and uh, Yarra Bend. There you go. Yeah, so he was first. I finished T sixty six of uh, gross and net. I don't think it would have been much better. Um, net, I finished 57. So again, with a 9 and a 10, that's not horrendous. You just keep going. Hey, uh, it. Is, was it an Ivo? Is, is it an Ivo? It, it was. It was yeah. an Ivo. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I didn't realise it was an Ivo. Um, not very good. Well, good on you. Play you some more play- coming up. Play some more coming up if I can. Just for, you know, it's good practice. Yeah. When you, when you, Yeah. I, I did. I really enjoyed it. Didn't play. Do like we've just been through. Didn't play great, but you know what? It was still good fun. Was there any old fellas like me there? Like old boys? Oh, I don't. Not that old. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, there was of course. There's all sorts of people there. It was great. <laughs> not that old. Yes, I played so. with a bloke on. I played with a bloke on because I've got nothing else to do. My wife was um, busy in Melbourne. I was down there by myself, and I stayed at uh, Barwon Heads on Saturday night, and I got up on Sunday morning and played. Uh, 13th Beach Creek course, and I played with three guys uh, that used to be members at Cranbourne. Very short story. Two of them are at um, somewhere else now. One of the boys, I can't remember his name, but he's from up at Echuca now. And he was he was 62, I think he said, and he was playing off seven, and he was striping it. I think he shot about seven over, six, seven over. And I said, and we're chatting away, and I was because my back was killing me. And I said, how old are you? And I'm 45. He's like, oh. He goes, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, if I'm still hitting the ball like you at 62, I'll be very, very happy in life. It was just, um, it was good to watch. It was mm. great to watch. He, he, he was hitting it no different to how I was hitting it off the tee. Um, just very straight. And the iron's very straight. If he probably, he, he self-proclaimed poor putter, if he putted even close to okay, he probably would have gone close to giving par a shake. It was good. Uh, now, Mark, let's get to the real uh, meat and potatoes of what tonight's podcast is. There's a little bit of uh, chat about last weekend's golf. Obviously, there was a lot of chat if you watched the Twitters and the uh, the press uh, goings on around the um, DP World Tour um, BMW PGA in uh, uh, the UK. A lot of chat about that. Um, no PGA Tour because this week's the first week of the PGA Tour wraparound season. We've got the Fortinet Championship up in Napham Valley. Of course, next week we go to the uh, President's Cup. We'll come back and talk about President's Cup next week. But there's also some uh, information that's come fresh out, and it's a question that we get a lot. You get a lot uh, in particular because you are the, the guru of the stats and you know therefore expected to know everything about the PGA Tour, how you get in, how you qualify, how you rank, etc. There's a bit of information that the PGA Tour have put out, which I think it might be um, interesting for us to chat about. Uh, because it certainly clears up who gets in, who isn't in, and how you do get into some of these events, um, especially as it unfolds and these new elevated events. So that's still a little bit unclear of how many people's in that, um, in those events. But you know, I think you'll, you can clarify a lot of questions yeah. around that. 
uh, what else? Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, there's some more information on the Australian Summer of Golf and an event added at Cathedral Lodge um, last week, uh, a two-day event, and um, believe it's going to be fairly well patronised by some significant uh, golfers um, of Australian golf uh, royalty. Um, so looking like that's going to be good. That sits in between the Oz Open and then there's the Super Sixes down at uh, Warrigal. Yeah, keep saying. Yeah, keep saying Super Sixes. So it's a two-day event sits in there. Um, still, uh, Vic Open is not on the PGA Tour Summer of Golf calendar, so we're both still curious as to why the Vic Open is not on there. Um, there's some conjecture around is it just government uh, sponsorship? Uh, is it still up in the air? Who knows? Um, so there's some conjecture around that. But, yeah, it's it's shaping up. That uh, yeah, It's great to have another event in there, have uh, that mm. two-dayer in there at, at a course. I believe it will be televised on Fox. Um, yep, televised for sure. I think there will be some decent prize money. And uh, it's a, a course which is pretty much unobtainium for, you know, 99% of the golfing population in Australia. So probably the first time that anyone sees Cathedral Lodge um, outside of Paul Gow's golf show when he's playing golf there with, um, you know, uh, Nick Ahern and a few others, so interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. So let's go back to the BMW PGA, run, won by uh, Shane Lowry, a very, Shane. very, a very, very uh, popular winner. Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting. When I turned it on Sunday night for the late night shift, which uh, if I was on – I did a typical late night Sunday shift um, from if you work shift work because all you hear of people working late night shift work is they fall asleep. Um, so I fell asleep. I didn't see the end, but uh, but I watched the first sort of 10 or 11 holes. Uh, P. Reid was at the top of the leaderboard when I turned it on. Didn't get mentioned. Like, may have got mentioned once, but like was avoid talking about the live golfers on the broadcast. It must have been a mandate. Was he... Was he in the mix though, but teed off early? Yeah, he he teed off early and shot like lights out ten under or something on yeah. the on the final day. So he he was, you know, the scoreboard leader. As I think John Rahm, when John Rahm finished early, like two hours before the the winner, um, posted like fourteen under. Yeah, um, with a beautiful eagle on the last two. By the way, rolled the slowest rolling putt down a little hill. Um, yeah, he was. He, they bumped him down to like second or third, but there was still yeah. no no chat about it. And uh, yeah, big John Ryan had to, had to stay around and and only missed that by by uh, a shot in the end, um, mm. as did Rory. And yeah, uh, I saw Rory's last part. I, di- I didn't see too much of it, but um, yeah, you're not wrong. He's a popular winner. Like all the socials this uh, this last couple of days of Shane Lowry have been fantastic. As it, it's if you ever want uh, an event. That's what you'd want to be like. Like just, he just couldn't have been happier. It was great to see. Well, he hadn't won since uh, 2019 at uh, when the he won the Open. Yeah. Um, but he's had a great, he's had a great year. Like his performances have been, you'll, you'll know and probably have there how well he has performed. Just mm. out of the limelight, but he's he's been there or thereabouts for a long time, long stint on the PGA Tour. He has. He's cost me some shekels this year. I won't lie to you. Um, young Shane. Young Shane was. Uh, he would have been one of my picks in at least two of the four majors this year. Um, he he played really good golf without getting it done, and I think that is is the PGA. Well, that that's that's professional golf, isn't it? Mm. Like you can play exceptional golf all year and not get close to winning an event, 
But if you have a peak in the correct week and the people around you, their peaks aren't as high as yours, then you will win. But um, no, no, he, uh, I can definitely give you his, um, I can give you his, uh, his numbers for the year. Yeah, as as seconds. as you look at that, so you talked about socials. Uh, I think Shane, when he does get active on the socials, and he's not super active, but when he does get active, uh, it's usually pretty quality. You know, you'll remember his. Uh, open winning socials and, you know, usually revolves around Guinness and having a drink. Uh, he did something where he said, you know, I'm Shane, I'm your PGA champion, uh, this is my first drink. And then his coach, his caddy and his manager all did the same. And I uh, forget his caddy's name. <laughs> he, he was on another planet. <laughs> uh, he was uh, absolutely munted. It was, uh, it was clever. It was funny. Uh, anyway, good on you, Shane. Well done. Very popular um, winner with the Irish contingent. Even Zach Tui got on board shouting out the big Shane. Um, well, he finished with his win this week. He's moved up from 23 in the world to number 19, um, which is, you know, exceptional. But, yeah, BMW PGA, he won at the, P, at the BMW Championship at the PGA Tour, second last event. He finished 12th. Uh, finished 9th at the Irish Open. Finished 10th at the Canadian. Uh, 23rd in the, in, in the PGA third at the Heritage, third at the Masters, second at the Honda, 13th at the Players, 12th at the Valspar. That's a lot of top 15, 20s there. And he had a very, very, very good year this year. Where did he finish in the Open? Uh, 21st, T, T22, 21. Scottish Open? Scottish Open. Did he play? Okay, I can't remember. No, it didn't play. Didn't play, okay. No. He went from the Irish into the um, into the Open Championship, T nine, and then T twenty one. So, um, but there was a fair bit of chat going around, you know, about the live players, yeah. you know, the socials with, um, which I thought some people, some quarters of it, handled it pretty well. The the um, the Billy Horschel, Billy Horschel and Poulter stuff. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think they collaborated? together to make those tweets to about the dress, about the is. you know you, the blue you know you wear the, I, told, yeah. I told you you know you wear the blue and I wear the white yeah I don't know look I think I think I think Billy his heart's in the right spot um and and I I don't remember who I was listening to this week it was a different podcast but they sort of said Billy had actually gone and oh, I don't know he, he'd actually spoken to a few other tour players, not necessarily the, the the cream of the crop, and and got their thoughts on the live guys playing there. But at the same time, I don't really think it's his job to be the mouthpiece. I and mean, if you get asked in a in a press conference and you want to make comment on it, that's fine. But to go on and on and on about it every time all, all week, it was a bit weird. I probably really appreciated the way that John Rahm described the week. He said, "You know, Poulter, Westwood." These guys want to come and play this event. I've got no problems, right? The, the, these guys have supported this tour and played this event for 25 years. You know, like that. There's no problem with that. But you know, Taylor Gooch coming here and at, and at keeping a guy who's sitting on the bubble of trying to keep his DP World Tour card, another Spanish guy, um, out of the event because he's the one on the edge who's who's bumped because Gooch is playing. That I'm not comfortable with, and that is a prime perfect summary of what what the issue was it's not about it's not about live versus pj tour versus dp world tour it's not about that 
right? It's about you're you're doing it to try and keep your um, world ranking points up. Cool, get it. But you're putting at risk someone else's livelihood so you can do that, which is which is not not good. You know what I mean? Someone's working their tail off all year, and you can just step back in. If you don't want to do that anymore, don't do it. Don't don't. If you want to go and take the money and play on the other event with no card and do that thing, that's great. And don't go there and say I'm going there because I can play less. But then I also want to play here more because of it. No, no, no. You can't do both. You, you, you just it doesn't work. It leads us to something that we'll talk about in a minute. But you know, so Taylor Gooch just gets in. He can nominate and enter for that based on his world rankings. Is that right? Yeah, he would have had yeah order of entry for sure. Mm. Yeah. He would have been he top fifty in the world comfortably. Um, and he would get in on the, on that status for sure. They haven't uh, got a yeah. You had to have played in this event uh, previously to qualify to get in. No. Yeah, it's a. Taylor Gooch is he finished. He finished fourth too. By by the way, talking about Taylor Gooch, yeah, finished fourth. Uh, a good golfer. He's. I've said it. I said it when he went. He's the one. He he outside of Cam Smith, obviously. Hmm. Taylor Gooch is a talent, hmm. and he's he's been in my in the data lake tips a lot. He's a very good golfer when he's on. Um, yeah, he's he's one of the ones that I think that they would they'll they'll miss down the track. Uh, no problems, no issues with P. Reed. He, does he fall into that category of you know support of the tour before? He's he's a look. He he, he did support it, yeah. and I know that he keeps telling people that he was awarded a, a European Tour card for the second person past Jack Nicholas or whatever his ridiculous statement is. Uh, he got it because he won a major. Um, he but he went and took it and did something with it. So he accepted it way before live, way before any of this stuff, and actually played a handful of events there. And he did he win the race to yeah, Dubai? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So like. He's actually, I've got no problem with that. Uh, there's only one player that I think, outside of the the main guys that have just turned up, there's only one player that everyone probably had a problem with playing, or maybe it was 50-50, and definitely had a problem with after with Drew. That was Sergio. So Sergio's, Sergio's only played the event once in a million years. Yeah. hasn't hasn't been there. Hmm. Um, and then. Plays one round, obviously with the Queen passing away, it becomes a three-round event, and they have a week, a, a day off, or a day, two days off, and um, he, he, I think he shot seventy-eight or something poor in round one, so he wasn't ever going to make any money, so he decided to fly home and go to a gridiron game, college, fo- college football game. It wasn't great optics. That's, that's just just dumb. That's yeah. just, it, hey. If you're gonna make a ten, laugh about it. Yeah. Move on. Get but stay involved. Don't go. Oh, you know what? Oh, at the turn, I might just shoot off and go home. I waste my time here. Like, who does that? That's not golf. That's not what golf's about. Most people can't even comprehend how how it actually happened. You know, like how do you get from playing there to being on the sideline of a game? Like, you, you, <laughs> he's got he, a private he, jet. Yeah, he must he have got like, 150 million from Live. He can do what he likes. Yeah, I know, but you know, like he must have just like. Pre, you must have pre-planned it. Like, like, uh, who knows? Maybe. Like, what do you? Maybe what do you, Greg said. Maybe Greg said, "This is what I want you to do," and he said, "Okay, Sharky, I'm on." Well, it's apparent that some of those, couple of those guys, had pre-prepared questions uh, for yeah, uh, the press conference um, where yeah. DP World Tour laid out everything that uh, 
is going to see them, you know, with this more collaborative approach with the PGA mm. Tour as it evolves. So that's a good thing because I know that we've said DP World Tour, I love it. You know, there's a reason yeah. why I stay up and watch golf in Europe because I love watching golf in Europe. I love watching yeah. the good golfers in Europe play good golf in Europe. It suits me. I like watching that. Um, but, you know, the question is if it's going to get watered down and, you know, it's going to be like a third tier, that was a worry. And if they can get this collaboration happening and I still think there's they're going to be pulling more talent from the European Tour across to the PGA Tour. But anyway, if the talent comes through the, the pipeline, well, then we can have good golfers come through. You know, that'll all work itself out. But I'm glad that there is some greater collaboration as long as the PGA Tour doesn't use it to their advantageous position to, you know, take the best talent out of the European Tour and bring it to America. Yeah, anyway. Doesn't that happen anyway? It does. I oh, know. I oh, know. I mean, with all, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I mean, most players, once they get to the uh, yeah. upper echelons on the European Tour, want to jump they in. They want to go. Well, what I should have said is, as long as these elevated events that are going yeah. to happen across both tours yeah. are genuine elevated events when they hit Europe and there's great status players playing across there yeah. and, and the guys that are available to play in it as an elevated status qualifier, do go and support it. Uh, I guess. Have to. Yeah. Have to. I, I think that from the sounds of what Rory said this week, it sounds like this year will be a middle-of-the-road year and the 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 gateway to 2024 when they go back to the, the calendar year and it the 20 events or the, whatever it is that are going to be the elevated will be across both Europe and the US. And I would be shocked if they didn't have at least five elevated events in Europe and yep. it'll be the Scottish Irish you know the the Mar European Masters might be the the event that they have at the end of the year it'll be those events they'll spread it around a little bit there won't be one here but there will you know as long as we can get more. as long as we can get the Irish Open away from Mount Juliet or the K Club I don't know if the course is well enough to argue I don't know no, you know, I don't. <laughs> There's some of the best Lynx golf in, you know, you reckon Lynx golf in Scotland's good. You know, the Lynx golf in Ireland, uh, just take it take it up to Rosapena or take it up to Ballyliffin or take it out to La Hinch again or wherever. Anyway, um, we go on. Um, back to the uh, DP World Tour. Um, mm. Adrian Otagui, T13 yep. minus 12, drop from live. Not in? What is that? We still don't know how people get dropped, you know, out of the 80-odd people that are signed. And so, but he's not playing at all this week? He, he's he's definitely not in that. In the same team. But is he in a different team? I don't know. Let's just see if we can quickly bring that in. Adrian Otaegui. No, because David... We've talked about this before. The, 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 and again, this isn't a live bash. This is just a fact. Their website and ability to look up who's playing and what the teams are for this week is non-existent. I'm sure they've shared it on socials and everything else, but you would think if you've got a website and I can click on Live Golf Chicago and I still can't see who's playing is just ridiculous. Uh, let's just finish on the... Let's just finish with the uh, Wentworth um, PGA uh, for a sec. Uh, Top Scott, we haven't talked about Scott, Top Scott, uh, but we have talked about him many times before. T23, Grant Forrest, East Lothian, Craigie Law, and um, uh, Archerfield Specialist. Uh, we had some Aussies, uh, had Maverick in there, we had Scriv, we had Minwu, we had Adam. Minwu um, had a best round of his life, didn't he? 62, I think, um, in round two. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable round and of a, golf. And a stinger, a stinger thrown in for the total. Some stingers in there. Uh, didn't I? Don't think he out trumped Shane Lowry's stinger draw. No, that was pretty. Uh, good. That was pretty good. Uh, was Herbie Scott, was there. Herbie missed the cut. So did Wade. Uh, Scott Hendo, I think, might have been the top Aussie. Old Hendo. Scott Hendo was yeah. T thirty two. Five under final round. Uh, Herbie missed the cut. Yep. Maverick Ancliffe, Adam Scott. Yeah. Lots of Aussies. Lots of Aussies, lots of Scots. Um, and Foxy withdrew. Is, it, yeah. is, it, is everything all right with Foxy? Is, we've got the shits. I don't know. I, I would, if I was him, I would have had the shits. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got no idea. We yeah. can talk about that next week when we talk about the President's Cup. For a course that they're going to play, and we're going to get into this then, but yeah, a course like Pro Hollow where driving the ball at distance is one of the key factors you're looking in the player, how he didn't get a run is beyond me. Um, this week, Sees the return of the PGA Tour, and of course, uh, when we have PGA Tour, it sees the return of the Data Lake. Mm. Uh, Mike's wound it up. He's put the screwdriver in, jiggled it around, got some electricity back flowing uh, through the transmission points. Uh, what have we got? The Fortinet. At, the Fortinet uh, in Napa, Napa Valley. Valley. We generated the 1.21 gigawatts of uh, energy required for the uh, for the Data Lake. It was. I'd nearly forgotten how to use it, to be honest. It, it took a bit of effort to get going today. I was like, what do I do? How is this working out? It's a bit of a beast of a spaceship of an Excel document. Um, so who plays? Who who are the who is in the field for Who this? are the, yeah. the big names? Yeah, who are the big names? Because a lot of players still on they're either President's Cup prepping or they're either playing or they're still on holidays. So what sort of field do we have? Yep. Yeah, the biggest names are probably Homer. Uh, Max Homer, that is, not Homer Simpson. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, and then it gets lean. Uh, Corey Connors, Mav McNeiling, Sahith Thagala, who I think is a, a good chance this week. Taylor Pendrith, um, new President's Cup selection. Uh, Davis Riley, Cam Davis. Uh, Brennan Steele, who's won here, I think, once or twice. Trey Mullinax, Tom Hoagie, Emmanuel, <laughs> Emiliano Grio. I always say that now. Uh, Gary Woodland, Webb Simpson, yeah, it's not a um, not a not a right start, field start starter field. field. Yeah. Okay, so what does the data lake say about the uh, Fortune? Well, the data lake's a, it's a bit of an interesting one this week. It's a um, it's one of those ones where I think someone who, someone who's going to be hitting it well off the tee. So strokes gain off the tee is important for me. Tee to grain important. Um, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit to someone who's a bigger hitter, but I'm not looking at distance off the tee. But I'm looking at people who are um, who've got good par five performance and par five specifically over 550 yards. Most three of the four par fives are 550 to 600 yards. And then one thing that comes up as a stat on um, data golf, if anyone's very interested in in stats like me, um, data golf has a really good tool for tournament specific numbers. And what they do is they sort of tell you, on average, um, on any given course, I say, Ross, um, if, if there was a tournament at Peninsula Kingswood tomorrow, they break down into 25-yard increments, on average, how many shots how many shots into greens per round do you have from that distance? So as an example, 50 to 75 yards in as you're shot into the green, how often does that happen? Well, it only happened 3.75% of the time at this course, but that's actually slightly above average because it's normally around 3% of your, of your shots into the greens of that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Was that a lot of numbers? Um, where it becomes interesting for me is a normal tour course, 
um, would probably have its its most shots into greens comfortably would be between 150 and 175 yards, right? That's your shot into your green. That's around 20% of your shots into your greens, okay? At this course, this actually only happens 11% of the time. So that distance of, of, of your accuracy in, I'm not looking at because it's not important here. But where it is important is from 100 to 125 yards. So I want someone who's heavy there because that's that's – Versus a normal course, this one's way heavier on the, on that distance, on those shorter irons, the strokes gained in. So on those shorter irons from 100 to 125. So when I put that all in the data lake, I come up with, we'll do 15 names game, and I'll start at the bottom. Now, some of these names might withdraw because it is that sort of tournament. But starting at number 15 and going to number one, Matthew Naismith, Emiliano Grio. Kevin Strillman, Brendan Steele, Luke List, Tom Hoagie, Trey Mullinax, Maverick McNeely, Corey Connors, Cam Davis, Davis Riley, Hideki Matsuyama, Taylor Pendrith, Chris Kirk, and number one is Rockets boy, Max Homer. Um, they they are the they are the list, but again, like I said, someone like Sahith Thigala is is certainly going to get a, a bit of more research from me this week. Uh, so there's no. Um... What do we call it? It's no tape star. We're starting that at the calendar year, so not in the wrap. Yeah, year. Um, I think it's easier to start it later in the year. It gives yeah. people a bit of a, a little bit of a holiday and then time to really concentrate on it. Come because a lot of the tapesters, there's a, there's a little box you can tick. So we could change the competition so that if your player finishes top five, you actually don't you lose him. You get to use him again later. But mm-hmm. I think it gets a bit too intricate. I'd rather just go, nah, just one and done. That's it. Uh, it does become a competition to see if you can keep a couple of people there for the end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, let's, Max, hey, Ross, can you take my photo, Homer? That's uh, <laughs> him. Uh, would you, can, can you tell me, can you tell me uh, Max's partner's name? I think, have they had, had the baby yet or are they about to have the baby? They haven't had it yet. Haven't had it no, yet. They haven't. No. I reckon her name's, Casey, God, so if I know that off the top of my head, I've got massive problems. I want to get the photo that I took of Max and Casey on the Swilkin Bridge. Maybe they've already posted it. Yeah, well, that's why I haven't. I don't know her name. Um, not a very good. Oh, name. her name is. Mm, don't know. Lacey. Lacey. Lacey, and her, she has a private Instagram. So good luck with that. Okay. G'day, mate. I'm the guy who took that photo. <laughs> hey, she'll remember, Never know. remember me intimately. You know, we've swapped notes on cameras. We both had the same camera, the same lens. It Is was... that the photo? That's it. I took it. Oh, he posted it, mate. Oh, well, you like... You... No, no, Rocket liked it. Not you. So Max Homer posted my photo. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> and the best part is photo credit says Lacey Homer. <laughs> She's in the photo, Max. How did she take it? <laughs> Max, I'm coming for you. Hey, uh, you keep talking. Uh, hold on. Speaking of photo credits. I've, That's I, fantastic. I do have something else to bum myself up with. One That's sec. Give me, give me a break. One sec. No, you have a break. I'll just keep giving people a couple of names. Um, the people that really, really, really like looking at guys that have played well at the courses historically, obviously Max won here last year. Uh, Hideki had a sixth last year. Um 
Marv McNeely was second. Uh, Brandon still won it back-to-back years, five, six years ago. But probably some of the ones that are down the board that have actually played okay here, someone like Scott Pearce, he was 11th last year, has had a third and a 17th as well. So if you um, you are someone that likes looking at people that have played well uh, at the course before, there are probably a couple of names. We maybe even Troy Merritt. If you are in the Discord, which the Discord people already know that once they've heard this because they've already seen it, I've already posted in there the uh, the data lake for the week, including uh, history at this course and the last five starts on the PJ Tour and where the, how they finished up. So people can use that if they're having a look at one and dones and things like that as we go through the year. I'll keep posting those into the um, into Discord. Uh, sorry, I'm distracted. You're back now. I'm but back. You're, gonna, you're just slandering Max Homer for <laughs> no, copyright uh, infringement. Well, he has every right to. Um, no, I didn't get that intimate by saying, you know, I didn't go the full fanboy. I was inside the ropes. So I didn't go, hey, Max. You know, I just went, Max, I've got a mate, Rocket, loves you. Can I get a photo? Um, I didn't go the whole podcasting and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I actually didn't follow. I actually wasn't following Max Homer. What a, what a oh, crime. That's why. That's why. No, Even no, I follow him. No wonder. Uh, but it's a great, um, I'm just going to say right here and right now, it's a great photo. It is a good photo. I, I've, uh, now, I do have to do a couple of little things to verify that that was the photo that I did take. Um, no, it has to be. It has to be. I've got some photos. There you go. While you're talking about the Open. There you go. Oh, you, you're... Um, your uh, flag turned for pe- up for people for people that can't see the uh, the YouTube. I have my one fiftieth St Andrews eighteenth uh, hole pin flag uh, that I finally procured, and uh, I will well, be bringing along to either the. Can I have decided I'm flying up to the Australian PGA, and I've already got my tickets for the for the Australian Open, so I'll be getting young Cam to sign that for me. Um. I had one job to do for you, Mike, when I was there. I think the message came through maybe on oh, day. Oh, it was after it was it was the day after the tournament, so it was yeah. or me, the day the final day. Yeah. Get me, a, can you? Hey, if you're going past the uh, merch <laughs> tent, can you get me a flag? And I'd already been past the merch tent, and I don't deal with lineups or cues that very well. So I snuck in the back door. You flashed my players past and said, "Look, I need to get back in here because I've got a player to look after." And the guy ushered me straight in. Yeah. Um, biggest pork I've ever told. Uh, got straight in, and there was a bazillion people there. I didn't get a flag that visit, but I didn't go back. And you sent me a message saying, "Hey, get me a flag." And I sent my cousin in. I said, "Can you get a flag?" And um, and they're all gone. They're, they're all gone. Uh, but I did get something for you. There it is, right there. Um, it's been sitting on the desk there. Uh, that's the rocket. Um, and that, when the doctor went to the PGA, he sent us all one of these as a gift, and it was out in the mail before we even got back to Australia. Um, well, doc. Mine's been Doc, sitting, sitting there. For I was a month. using Docs for a pitch repair when I played with Doc the other day, and he saw it and he said, "Oh, is that you're using that?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's what it's for. It's a pitch repair." Oh, I think... thought they were just mementos, like you just keep them. <laughs> no, you no, use them. You put them in action. Look, they, there's your yeah. one there. If you if you watch on the video, I've got uh, a little box of uh, a pitch repair and a ball marker. They're just the obligatory thing that you get your mates when you go to uh, the thing. The good blokes get that to them on time. But uh, this has been sitting here in the archives for you, mate. Uh, it's, it's even engra- it. even engraved with uh, magic on the back. And Rocket and Rocket's got one, and, and Doctoro's got one as well. There you go. Help Doctoro. Um, just bumming myself up a little bit more again. Um, speaking of co- uh, pictures and taking pictures. And no, I actually did get credit for this. I'm going to throw it up now. After uh, the club golfers, because um, everyone knows I like taking a photo. I've, I've spent way too much money on camera gear. Um, still don't know how to use it. Um, the camera gear has no relationship to this photo that I'm holding up. 
have a look at that. You like cricket? Old over. Do you like cricket? No. No, okay. No um, idea. I'm not much of a cricket, cricketer either. But uh, I got paired with um, Alyssa Healy and Mitch, big Mitch Stark, and lovely, lovely people. They're in Inside Golf this week. So when you go to your club and you can see the Inside Golf magazine, you'll see Mitch and Alyssa on the front. And I took the photo. Nice. Uh, Where were that? Where was that played? That peninsula? Yeah, there's PK Sunset in the background. You can't mistake a PK Sunset. It's uh, beautiful. But, I don't um, get invited down there enough. I, I, I don't remember. I invited you today to the bloody retro day that we're going to. Yeah, I'm going to play. Um, but uh, seemingly Inside Golf did a thing on Alyssa and Mitch up in Sydney and Alyssa said, uh, this bloke that we met in Melbourne took better photos with his Samsung. Uh, contact him and get the photo because I approve that one, but I don't approve yours. And uh, that from your phone? That's from my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Not a, No camera, it's just the phone. Um, so yeah, I was, I was at Flinders last week with uh, Andy Naboo and um, he picks up the magazine. I said, I recognise that photo. I recognise that couple. I recognise that. Oh, I took it. I'd, I'd even forgotten I'd taken it. There you go. Um, sorry, I digress about myself. No, you're right. People know. Um, yeah, people know how to speak to for wedding photos and all sorts of things now. Oh, Samsung specialist. <laughs> um, I'm still taken aback by me not following Max Homer and Max Homer posting what I think is my picture. That's definitely your picture. Oh, yeah, well, I, I, I would say that he said photo credit. Lacey, in that she posted it on her Instagram account, which is your photo. Mm. Not she took it because she's not in. She's in the photo. Oh, there are several photos uh, of Max on that day, and that one's that one's at the front. I'm sure I took that. There you go. Um, very good. Uh, now, have we got time? We're fifty three. We've jibber jabbered for fifty three minutes. No. We'll do it another day. Do it another time. So do it another day. What we're going to run down is some of the qualification criteria for getting into this year's PGA Tour events because um, it comes up a lot how do people qualify for the certain events. Mm. So there's an order of qualification. Um, we might go through that next week or the week after. Um, yeah, I think the biggest things that will change this year that we were talking about just before we, we started recording are There'll be a top 70 this year instead of a top 25 for the playoffs. So that's the first change. And this is the last wraparound season. So they won't be starting in September any longer uh, once they finish this year. 2024 will start in Jan. Um, and then getting on the tour will change. So instead of having the top 25 off the Corn Ferry Tour, it'll be the top 30. Uh, and then also instead of the 126 to 200 from the PGA Tour joining with the guys that on the Corn Ferry that didn't get it to go back to a, a finals. Um, that won't necessarily be happening, but there will be a Q school again where they're going to give up five cards, which is interesting because I think people really like the uh, uh, the pressure. I don't know. I think that I think it. I think every time, especially Colt Nost, I know talks about it a lot on, and he says it's something that was amazing, just amazing stories that come out of, out of the Q school. So it'd be good to see that back again. So and of course, when, when you talk about this Q school, sorry to interrupt, um, when you talk on. about that, you like the one that they used to do out in Palm Springs? That's, I've got, that's what, it, well, they haven't said where it's going to be, yeah. but I, I'm sure it was like six rounds. Yeah. Um, and it was like at um, La Quinta and PJ, well, PJ West and La Quinta, um, yeah. maybe at Mission Hills, but no, no, it was always in the PJ, at PJ West and across the two or yeah. three courses that are there. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's 10 cards going to the top 10 of the um, DP World Tour as well. So there'll be a very much a different looking season in the way that it shakes out by the end of this year. And then that'll flow into 
what looks like we'll have a lot more. Obviously, we'll have the elevated events this year, but next year we'll have the elevated events probably spread over spread over Europe and the US. Um, oh, let's let's yeah. just get, Mike. Let's just go through it. Let's just go through it tonight. All right. Well, we won't we won't go through it in depth, but effectively, what what that all means is that's how the year will shake out. But for for a priority ranking for this year, we talked a little bit about eligibility, and we always talk about you know. Omar Uresti getting a run and it's ridiculous and and the fact that the the better players, the guys that are going well on the Corn Ferry Tour, there's not a lot of um, benefit in them coming and taking advantage of a position on a PGA Tour event because well they want to make sure they sew up their PG, uh, their, their Corn Ferry cards so they can jump up to the PGA Tour the year after. But this is more about if you wanted to qualify for the Lonsdale Amateur, you just have a, have to have a, a handicap under I think it was twelve. And you could apply, whereas in the PJ Tour, it's not quite as easy. So they have eligibility criteria from 1 to about 39. So we were just going to have a look at some of the key ones as you run down the list. And not all the players, obviously, but just some of the players. Okay. So would you want to kick it off? Let's just take so, it off. Well, what do you think would be the number one thing? What, what If you didn't remember, you probably don't remember from 10, before when we were talking, but do you remember what the number one thing was? The number one category? U.S. Open. It's U.S. Open. I wouldn't have picked the U.S. Open. I would have thought the PGA Tour would have said maybe the players even, but no. So if you have won the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open before 1970 or in the last five years, now I don't know why before 1970. Um, there's got to be some sort of clarification in there and maybe the way that the, the, the tour was set up, but the last five years and before 1970. So obviously that's 50 years ago. So there's not many people that would have won it 50 years ago that would still be wanting to play the PGA Tour. But the only guys that are in that category that tick that box are Dow, Fitz and Wald, uh, Ray Floyd, Al Guyberger, Don January, uh, Bobby Nichols, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Lee Trevino. So not expecting to see those guys um, playing at Fortnite this week. No. <laughs> um, the next one is... If you've won a players' championship in the last five years, so yeah, that makes sense. Winner of the the next, and I'm I'm going to go quickly through some of them. Um, number three is if you won the Masters in the last five years, then the Open in the last five years, then to a championship since 2018. So um, yeah, that'd be five years coming up. If you won a World Golf Championship event in the last three seasons or the current season. Uh, if you won the Memorial the last three years, Arnold Palmer in the last three years, or the Genesis Invitational the last two. So we're already down to like, that's the top six categories gone. Obviously, out of those categories, we've only got, I don't know, 20 players. 20, yeah. Yeah, max, maximum. Then it gets a bit um, a bit bigger. So that 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 that's basically the big chunk of it. Then it basically says winners of PGA Tour events, shortening what they've worded it here, but whose victories are considered official in the last two seasons or the current season. Um, they Winners receive an additional season of exemption for each additional win up to five seasons. So basically, if you win four times this year, you get four years of exemption. Mm-hmm. If you win once, you get one up to five. If you win 10 times, you still only get five. Is that, that is, um, That's not changed? Is that new or...? Uh, I don't know whether that's okay, new or not. Right, not yeah. sure, but I mean, there's a substantial number of players there. So obviously, Herbie's on there. Uh, Ricky Fowler's there because he would have had a time when he's won it. Now he'd be probably getting close to 
um, being his last season, I would have thought. Jason Day's on there. So some guys that have that have used up this. Now, this is where they sit. Now, they might get into an event on a sponsor's exemption or things like that from down, down the track, but right now, this is where they sit. So they're quite a high category, so that they're not going to have to use those things. But once they drop out of this, then they can still go back to using the other ones. But right now, this is where they sit in ranking number nine. So Herbie yep. secured his card. So oh, yeah. Herbie won last year. Herbie got his PGA Tour card. Yep. So that was good for for last year when he won yep. it on the Corn Ferry Tour playoffs in yep. round one. That was this year. Then he won on the PGA Tour last year. Yep. So when does that carry, carry him through? Is that so I him- would say that he he would have at least another year after this year. After this year yep. would be my guess. Right. Yeah. And plus, he would have finished in the top 125 with his money wins as well. So Definitely. whether that doubles him up as well, I'm not sure. Right. Okay. Um. Then if you've got the number 10. So there's some of these some of these um exemptions, no one's getting. No, so like right now, no one's exempt in this category. So winner of a PGA Tour event as an amateur whose victories are considered. So that's nobody. No one's won an event as an AM. So if you're an AM and you win a PGA Tour event, you get it on number 10. So good luck. Um, career money exemption. So right, there's not many people left that are still playing in this category. So Tim Clark, Duffner, Zach Johnson, Ryan Moore, Sabatini, BJ, Jimmy Walker. So they're getting in on how much their money they've won over their career, and they're at number eleven. So they're you know bigger names, I guess, before they're heading off to the um, probably the seniors tour. A couple of them, oh, VJ definitely already there. Um. Players among top 50 in career earning at the end of the preceding season may elect to use a one-time exemption for the next season. So basically, if you're still in the top 50, you can use the career money exemption once for the year after. Players among the top 25 in the in the career earning as of the end of the preceding season may elect to use a one-time exemption in the next season as well. So it's not like you can just sit there forever and ever and ever and keep playing things. You, you need to be staying up there, but obviously players are going to pass you and then you drop out and you're not in this exemption any longer. Uh, sponsors exemptions, obviously that's self-explanatory. If some people people can get in, I need a handicap of zero or less. I'm just outside getting a sponsors exemption. Um, number 13, two international players designated by the commissioner. There's no one in there yet, but I'm sure they'll go in. Uh, the current PGA club professional champion, who's Jesse Mueller. So eligible for up to six open events. So six events, but three must be opposite. Three of those events that that, that he's eligible for have to be the ones that are opposite the World Golf Club Championships, World Golf Championships, sorry, and the Open Championships. So they're the first three that he's eligible, eligible for and then any other, any other um, sponsor exemptions. So there's there's category on category there a little bit. So he, can't, um, so he, he has to play in the... Opposite event, so he can't play for the open. They're the ones he's. They're the ones he's, he's automatically, automatically qualified for. Yeah. yeah, correct. So he can't just go and play wherever he wants, unless there's a say a sponsors exemption. Um, PGA section champion player of the year from the section which the tournament was played. So no, no, that doesn't exist. That person doesn't exist. Um, four low scorers at the open qualifying, which will normally be held on Monday. So that's basically the Monday qualifiers. Those four get in at number sixteen. They're guaranteed in. Um, Past champions in a particular event for that week. So basically, um, winners prior to 1970, you're unlimited 
to play in that event. So if you've won that event before, before 1970, you can keep playing there forever. After Jan 2000, you can only get five years. So if, if you've won it in the last five years, you can get back in and play again. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't play forever. Um, life members. So PJ Tour life member, um, you can basically get in at number 18. There's only one player. That's, that's Davis Love. So you can see, like, Davis Love's obviously a big name. But, again, we're probably only reeled through. The, the PGA Tour winners takes up a fair chunk, but we're probably, mate, I would guess we're probably already at about 50 or 60 names. Now, we're finally at the top 125 on last year's FedEx Cup that hasn't already been named. And so you've probably got about another 100 names there because you've got 25 players on top of that, like Rory that's sitting above it. Um and the other guys that are sitting in those kind of weird exemption statuses. So that's where they are. So they're all in. Players who finished greater than or equal to 125 on the PJ Tour list through the Wyndham Championships, sorry, equal to top 125 on the PJ Tour official season FedEx Cup list through the Wyndham as non-members. So no one who, if someone who was not a PJ Tour member, like say it was a um, a Corn Ferry person who went up or uh, someone who got in and didn't have status before but finished in a certain height on the FedEx Cup, they get in here. Because mm-hmm. this is where um, Will Zalatoris a few years ago got in at this point because he had enough points. Right? If you remember, I think it was two years ago that he would have even made the Tour Championship but wasn't a member, so he couldn't. But the next year it automatically meant that he he was in. Uh, major medical exemptions. So basically, if you're eligible at that point and you're fit, you, you can play. This is the, where those guys, but there's only three people there. Uh, three-time winners from the Corn Ferry Tour in. Uh, leading points winner from the Corn Ferry uh, from the regular season. Leading points from the previous season. So any other three-time winners, again, there's no one in this status. Uh, no one's in the next status. We're going to skip through a couple. So we're already down to number 27 of 39 before we get to the top finishers from the Corn Ferry Tour. So last year's Corn Ferry guys, the 50 that got their cards through um, either finishing top 25 during the year or top 25 past the finals, this is where they come in. So right now we've already got probably a pool of close to 200 players that are cycling into events each week. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that majority of the time, these are the guys that are making up the 125, 130 that are playing each week. This is the these are the these are the guys. Um, before you can even get to the next set. The next one is if you've had 300 career cuts. Um, again, players who have had 300 PGA Tour cuts made as of, of the end of the preceding season may lose may elect to use a one-time exemption into the next season, um, and go from there. But again, that's that's again like almost a card up your sleeve if you if you're one of those guys. Uh, top finishers in the Corn Ferry Tour medical, so the guys that are on medicals off the Corn Ferry Tour, um, players winning. Uh, so that, that's where they sit. The next one is a player on the Corn Ferry Tour. So say during this year someone's won three Corn Ferry Tour events, they automatically get a card. That's been a rule for a while now. That's what I think they used to call it the battlefield exemptions. Um, this is where they come in. So even though they automatically get a PJ Tour card, they can't just go and play whatever event they want. They come in at, at number 30. So it's quite a ways down. Uh, minor medical extensions, Brant Snedeker and Scott Kaczewski come Scott Kaczewski come in here. Then we're talking about the reorders. So this is the um, 
this is where we were talking before we uh, started recording, trying to get our heads around the reordering. So effectively what happens is the guys that finished 126 to 150 last year, so they they kind of don't necessarily retain their card, but they're still PGA Tour members. So they'll be playing the majority of their season on the Corn Ferry Tour, but they will get into events at the moment in that swing sort of off-season. Now, when they're playing in that off-season, they the, the better they do, they will get re-ranked. And when you are reordered post uh, the RSM, then the Genesis, you will move into Category 32, right? So you'll be sitting in Category 32. The people that are not doing that well or still are sitting in 126 to 150 will be in 32A. So that's where you sort of sit above. So if it does get to this point, you get more advantage to go into events. So as an example, Cam Percy, who just missed out, Cam Percy sitting at 126 to 150 with the other guys. Now, if he has a really good couple of weeks, he'll bump to 32 and they'll still sit in 32A. So he'll get in first before those guys, if, if it gets to that point. So then on the other side of that, so someone like a Harrison Endicott who finished 25th in the status in Corn Ferry Tour, who's earned a PGA Tour card, yep. he's sort of in that same category. He'll, if he plays this early part of the season, does well, he'll be hoping to get into 32. Correct. So, so he he's... Can, He's in. He's in. Um, he's in currently number twenty-seven. So he sits in the twenty. Oh, he's twenty-seven. Twenty-twenty right. to twenty-one top finishers in the Corn Ferry Tour finals. Yeah, sorry. Yep. And so if he, they do the same thing with that bracket. Yep. He goes up to number twenty-six. Yeah. Okay. So yep. Order of entry number twenty-six. So, yeah, Michael Gligic. Some of the big names are the guys you're expecting to have big, big years this well. Like Joseph Brown. Let's come back up. He's a good golfer. Brandon Matthews. Lots of good golfers there. These guys are the ones, especially this in weeks like this week, the Fortinet. These are the weeks when the Corn Ferry Tour guys that are coming off, they're, they're battle ready. They've been playing lots of golf. Um, they're ready to come out and just go screaming as, as hard and fast as they can to try and get re-ranked. And then once they get re-ranked, they bump up one level. Now, that one level doesn't sound like a lot, but you've got 50 guys on that list. If you can jump ahead of, know 10 more guys you're in a much better place for how many events you're going to be able to get into because as we said we're already going to be probably at 220 230 guys now that are above you on the list of entry um yeah so that was one that was yeah 120 that was 32 and 32a for the guys that were on the 126 to 150 that we talked about non-exempt major medicals none then we've got Beyond 150. So the guys that finished again, it's the same theory as what we said about the Corn Ferry and then the guys that finished 126 to 150 and then they can do a reshuffle and try and jump up. It's the same with the guys that are 150 down. So if you played on the PJ Tour last year and you finished at 175, you still have some sort of status, but you've got so many guys ahead of you. You'll be playing majority of your year on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour. But again... Depending on how well you go early, there is another re-ranking at the same time, the shuffle, and that's when you can jump from 35 up to 34. But you can imagine, again, on the 150-plus list, there's got to be another 60 names there. Hmm. So you could be sitting at number 300 on the order of entry. It might mean you bump up to 280, right? But 280 is actually not a bad spot when it comes down to it because you actually might be a chance to get into more events versus the guys at 300. Um, past champion members... So guys that have won a big fence before, but again, these guys aren't, one, applying to play too often, and two, they're so far down the list, even if they really want to play, they're a fair way down. So guys like Rocco Mediate, KJ Choi, Apples, Steve Stricker, 
um, Hal Sutton, Ernie Els, Hal Irwin. I mean, some of these guys might get on get into events on, say, sponsors exemption and things like that. Um, Bernhard Langer, but they're not going to play. They're, they're, this is not this is not where they are. But if they wanted to, that's where they sit. And I think we talked about um, Bowdo. So Stephen Bowdich is in that list because he won those events. He's a past champion. At that point, he could get in. But again, we're so far down the list. There's got to be, you know, another 150 names there. Special temporary members. If during the course of a PGA season, a non-member of the PGA Tour wins an amount of points by playing in a PGA Tour three sponsor exemptions equal to the amount won by the preceding season by the 150th finisher, then you can get to get into here. So if somehow you get in sponsors exemptions and do well enough to be ranked as a 150th from last year, we'll let you sit at option number 37. You, you've got 500 people ahead of you. You, you, will not, you will never get to start in the PGA Tour. Same with anyone who's won a team event, and then it's veteran members. So if not otherwise eligible and if needed to fill a field, veteran members who have made a minimum of 150 cuts in their career in order of standing on the PJ2 money list, you can get in. So David Duval, Jose Maria Olafarbel, Brendan DeJong, Brett Quigley, Charlie Wee. Craig Parry's on that list. I mean, Craig Parry's not playing the PJ Tour. No. But this is what I mean. Yeah. So it's there is a there is rhyme and reason behind the way that they do it, and it is really difficult. It doesn't fix the big issue that we always talk about. How do you get the best guys playing on the on the Corn Ferry Tour now into a PGA event? Well, this is what we kind of have to work with to start with. And then even when they do jump in, there's no necessary reward for them against what they're trying to achieve on the Corn Ferry Tour that helps them long-term. So is there benefit there? It's more stick where you are, earn your stripes, and you'll be back up next year anyway. Yeah, it's very clear that uh, – and when once you see it all mapped out like that, you know, Rocket, myself, other podcasters have, you know, chorted on about bringing those young guys up, just give them a start, let them keep their money, let it – qualify for their uh you know rankings down below in the corn ferry tour uh you can clearly see that once you look at all of those categories and who's in and who's not it's pretty hard for it to work like that uh effectively it, without being dis- you, discriminatory to other players and that's the tricky part it's a members it's a not-for-profit members organization so it's it's to say that you know Aaron Badley, you can't get in because this guy's playing well on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, you're probably right. The Corn Ferry guy would go better. Mm. But Bads is, is where he is because of what he's done. And it's really hard to kick him out to, to say, bring in that guy. If that guy's good, he'll take Bads' spot next year and we don't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. But there'll be there'll be times when those guys will get in. And um, yeah, but I mean, if you look at the top 50 guys from that tour last year, they're in. They're way above bads now, but they've got to want to play it. Otherwise, they might just come play Corn Ferry instead. Mm. Uh, speaking of bads, Monday qualified for this week's event. He did. Um, we, we probably already said that uh, an hour ago when we talked about it. No, nah, uh, I don't think. I don't think we did. I think he. Nah, I think he's, he he's in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Bads is a funny, funny guy. He he flashes some form here and there. But it'll only be for a round and then he just disappears. I, I, I think his days of pinching one of these is um, probably past him. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah. Uh, by all accounts, he can still put the dots off it. Yeah. Well, I, I was listening to a, um, a 
I was going to say Matt Janella, uh, Bob Rotella um, book the other day about putting. And he talks a lot about some of the stuff that um, I know Bads uses. And one of the one of the key things was around a ball and throwing a ball. And basically that when it comes to putting, thinking too much about it and pulling the trigger and taking too long, you shouldn't be pulling the trigger more than two seconds after you're ready to go. Taking longer than that, you're setting yourself up for failure. And he said, it's like getting a ball. And if I say to you, Ross, run over there and I'll throw the ball at you. If I just pick up the ball and throw it at you, I'll hit you nine times out of 10. If I stop, hold it, measure it, throw it, I'm more chance to miss it. Like just to, if you need to be using that, pick it up, throw it. Like don't think, don't overthink it. Um, I remember Bad's talking about a long time ago Mm. and it makes sense. Uh, what was the book? Which Bob Rotella book was it you were uh, listening to? Oh, I don't know. Something that don't make a ten at Lonsdale, I think it was called or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember, to be honest. I uh, don't have 19 on two holes. <laughs> you had nine on the first. But it was, yeah, my 10th, yeah. It was a little short one just down the hill. I know. Well, it was the pot. The pot got me. Oh, the big pot, yeah. Okay. But um, no, yeah, I've been um, just listening to it because – it's one of those times when there's no golf around and no one's doing podcasts except for us. So I listen to our podcast and then I listen to something else. So I, was, I just got an audio book and was listening to that driving somewhere. You listen to yourself on the podcast. I listen to us. It's the only podcast that I listen to in normal time. Everyone else I listen to in time and a half. Really? Yeah, because I couldn't listen to myself in time and a half because it'd sound weird. <laughs> but whereas like the No Laying Up or the Tool Junkies boys... It goes in time and a half. And when I caught up with the Tool Junkies boys in Augusta, I I realised how slow they speak because they just southern drawl and we're out drinking. But yeah, my brain was like, geez, they're talking very hey, slowly. Boys, can you can you speed this up to <laughs> one point five times? Time and a half. Oh, that's bizarre. Uh, Mike, I think uh, I think that's it. That's it. I, I hope people found that remotely interesting on how people get into an event. I thought it was interesting, but and it is hard to explain. But well, yeah, if it, you do, you can find it on the PGA Tour website. Well, it just puts another level of information around you know those questions that um, you know sometimes people get left with about who, why people are in, why people are out. You know why you know Harrison Endicott might not appear on every big tournament um, because it's got a PGA Tour card, etc., etc., etc. There's a whole lot of things, and and we probably miss half of it. You know, as we, you know, talk along, you know, example being, you know, us thinking, expecting that the PG, uh, the Corn Ferry Tours should get better standing. Yeah, uh, you know, there's yeah. a whole load of yeah. reasons why they don't. Um, thanks, Mike. Thanks for uh, bringing that to us. And uh, the Data Lake has returned. Thanks for regaling us with your stories about uh, your golf on the weekend. Get down to uh, Lonsdale Links. It really is a quality golf course. If you want to see some... Uh, of the design that features on classic golden age architecture around the world. Well, Mike and Ashley have really tried very hard to give you a uh, modern interpretation and a replication of that uh, at Lonsdale Links, the church pews, the thumbprints, the road holes, uh, square greens, you name it. Um, All of those things that you get to see when you travel a bit, well, they're all down there and uh, on a really quality golf course in a great location at uh, Point Lonsdale. Um, do you think that'll get us another free round at some stage down there? That that no, maybe, maybe. Okay, nah, probably not. <laughs> I bought a hat last time. Was it? It's a nice hat. Um, very good. Thanks, mate. We'll see you next time on the uh, My Love of Golf podcast. <laughs>